Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Joined today, he's a real estate entrepreneur and podcast host. It's Gabe Peterson. How are you doing today, Gabe? Alex, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Where I'm from and what I was involved in. All right, so I'm from uh, Washington, sunny Seattle. Um, I'm actually from a little town called Enumclaw, which, you know, if you're not from here, you're not, you haven't heard of it, but, uh, it's about 45 minutes Southeast of Seattle. Um, and growing up what I was involved in that, that's kind of a, a broad statement. So I'm going to say, um, I mean, growing up, if you go way back when I, you know, grew up in, in church, I was really involved in that in sports, um, all that jazz and mostly just hanging out with my friends, <laughs> you know, normal childhood. So each of those items, so going with the church, was that something that your family grew up and something that you kind of bonded with and where you guys could get together and knowing on a Sunday or whatever day you went on that you could spend that time together? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, my, both my parents grew up in the church. And so I grew up in the church and it was just, it was more of a community thing um, for me, at least, you know, they're still, they still, uh, adhere to the religious side of things. I've kind of um, gone my other direction, but I still, you know, I, I enjoyed that, that upbringing, especially the community that church brings. I, I, I kind of miss that. You talked about community and how you grew up in kind of a small town. Was that a way that everyone kind of knew what was going on in each other's lives or you got to get to know everyone? Yeah, I say, I say small town, Enumclaw is small, but um, it is Enumclaw. And so if you go like Tacoma, Seattle, Bellevue, they're all so close to each other that it's, it's not a small town. I mean, I grew up in, you know, million, million plus people living in a 50 mile radius of me. So, um, it was not small and, uh, but it was a good way to connect with, you know, to create a community in, in those huge numbers of people that you live with. With connecting with other people, what did that bring out of you skill wise or something that you didn't know about yourself? No, I mean, actually, I remember, <laughs> I remember when, uh, when I was graduating high school, I was applying for scholarships and one of the scholarships, um, it asked like, I can't remember what the prompt was, but the essence of it was, what did you get out of high school? Um, and I feel like this applies to high school and my response applies to both high school and church and everything. It's, you know, growing up when you're growing up in those environments, more it's more of a social development than it is an mm-hmm. academic development. I still stand behind that. The the scholastic people did not like my response, but I felt I, I developed more socially in uh, you know church and high school than I did academically. And it's just a really good you know it's that's where you uh, you create your community in in today's day and uh, day and age. Why do you feel that it's more social than scholastic or academic wise? I mean, it, obviously it is, it is scholastic because it is school. Um, but in terms of what I, you know, looking back in terms of what I learned back then that applies to, I'm getting into iffy waters here. I should really watch my <laughs> words, but <laughs> what I learned, <laughs> you know, back then that applies to what I'm doing now, there's, there's not a ton of crossover. Um, but the, what, what I really brought through that period was, you know, my, my, my connections that, you know, the relationships I developed, learning how to develop those relationships, that kind of thing. Um, I felt like that was the biggest takeaway from that period of my life. Then, then, you know, learning that the United States was founded in 1776 or something like that. 
I can definitely agree with that. High school for me, I think was the opposite where I was more focused on the academic side and not really on the socially. But when I went to college, it I mean, I was still academic learning, but my social part was skyrocketing because you're living with these people 24 seven. And if you can't interact with people, it's just going to be a long four years at college. So I yeah, think we it, don't. I we think don't live in so clans anymore, so we got to have that, you know? Correct. And those re- relationships and friendships just last a long time, and you kind of get to know people differently than if we all were just driving to school and just in class and then going home. You learn more after hours, I would say, than if you're just in that classroom environment. Yep, yep, absolutely. You talked about sports. What were those sports that you played? Um... So I, let's see, growing up, I mean, my, my parents put me in anything that you could be put in. So I did soccer, basketball, baseball, um, all that jazz. Uh, I, I remember being specifically bad at basketball. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was not my jazz. I did do wrestling. That's kind of the thing that I, that I enjoyed the most, um, and weightlifting. And then after, you know, uh, after high school and into college, I started into jujitsu all the way through. Um, you know, a couple of years ago before, right before COVID is when I stopped that. So, you know, started early and kept it going. What brought you to the physical contact sports like wrestling and uh, jujitsu? I'm not weightlifting, but weightlifting kind of goes with all those in a way. What brought you to that? It's just a lot of fun. I mean, <laughs> uh, if anybody out there, maybe you have young kids, I would highly recommend getting them into Jiu-jitsu, especially because it's very, um, you, it, it's a good sport. It's very, you know, contact oriented, but you aren't, you're more likely not to get injured in jujitsu. And it's just, it's a great sport. It's a lot of fun. Um, she's got to try it. <laughs> you know, there's people out there that are going to be like, oh, I can find a way to get injured in that sport. Knowing me, I'd oh, yeah, probably definitely. get injured knowing, me. Yeah. but was there an influence, someone that you kind of inspired to be growing up? someone that motivated you? Um, okay. Let's see. Somebody that really motivated me when I was growing up. Um, I mean, when I was younger, obviously my, my dad and the people that were closest to me. Um, then when I got into high school, uh, there was a, there was a pastor that was really, um, I kind of looked up to him and then I started reading a bunch of, I just got really into books. And so I read a bunch um, I think the first like self-development quote unquote book was uh, seven habits of highly effective people. And that kind of like opened my eyes. And then I just like dove into reading and, you know, you get mentors from anybody, any book you pick up is a mentor. And uh, that just started to open my eyes. With any of those individuals you talked about, is there something that they have said to you that you still utilize today? Oof, that's a good one. Uh, is there something they said to me that's still is applicable today. I'm sure there is. I'm just racking my brain for something right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, I I guarantee there was, it's just, um, you know, right now it's five Oh seven, which isn't that late here in Seattle, but it is uh, it's at the end of the day and my, my brain's just not working with me. So I'm going to have to take a pass on that one. All good. We usually are asked, what's that dream job? And I always ask my guests this, what was that dream job that you were wanting? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so growing up when I was really little, I wanted to be a pilot. I thought that was badass. I still think that's badass. I don't really have the eyes for it, but I think it'd be, be a lot of fun to learn how to fly. Um, but then when I got into college, I 
or when I got into high school, um, I just started, I didn't really have a specific plan. I like computers. Um, and I wanted to be a lawyer. I really liked, you know, debating and, and arguing essentially. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, you know, my, my, I can go into that story later on, but, uh, mostly I wanted to be a pilot and then lawyer. That that's kind of how it went. See a pilot's so cool. And I did that once. I think in college, I took a flight lessons and I'm like, this oh, is so sweet. cool. But the yeah. requirements that like the amount of hours you have to get to finally yeah. go. So I'm like, this is too much time. I mean, expensive. it's at least I can say I experienced it, but maybe down the road I'll do it. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's so much. And yeah, I have a friend who's a, who's a um, helicopter pilot and he, you know, posts his little Instagram pictures and I'm like, man, I'm so jealous. I got to figure out how to do that. He doesn't ask you to come along on the ride with him. No, he lives in a different country now. So, oh, <laughs> you just got to now fly to him. Basically, mm-hmm. just get your own plane and stuff. Nope. Let's talk about that next experience after high school with college. Where did you go? You talked about a little bit about what you were wanting to do, but how did that path take you? Yeah, so um, got in college and I had the idea, you know, it was kind of a vague idea, like I might want to do be a lawyer. Um, it was just kind of the direction I was going because I didn't really know specifically what I wanted to do. Um, and I, you know, kept reading and kept getting into the kind of the path, the entrepreneurship path is kind of where I was heading. And I, I started to build that idea, like I can create a business, I can do something like that. Um, but you know, it came to the time when I needed to graduate and I, I had this degree. I think I graduated degree in like, it was called comparative history of ideas. It was essentially philosophy. So you can't do anything with philosophy degree. Um, <laughs> I graduated college and I was going to go to law school. And so I decided I should, you know, go and spend some time with some lawyers and figure out if that's something that I actually want to do. Um, I did that and it didn't turn out to be a job that I, that, you know, really, really got me going. And I, I, I knew I didn't want to go down that path. Um, but I was kind of like, I don't know what the phrase is. I had the, the shit in the bag or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I had to make a decision. You know, I had, I had graduated and I didn't now all of a sudden decided I didn't want to go to college. I'd already taken the LSATs, done all that stuff. I'd been accepted to law school and, but I, but I didn't want to go. Um, so it was really that pivotal moment was, that was really difficult. Just making the decision. Okay. This is not for me. I, I need to you know, altered my course. I need to do something different because I know I'm not going to be happy as a lawyer. Um, so I did make the decision not to go to law school without really a backup plan. And that was, you know, mistake number one, you know, when you're going through life, you always have to kind of just take things as they come, mm-hmm. especially when you, when you realize you made a mistake and you have to pivot, if you don't have a backup plan, you know, so what it's life goes on, you got to keep going. Yep. So that's where I was. Um, I just started getting random jobs. I installed refrigerators and I, uh, shit, I had so many jobs. My girlfriend at the, um, now, you know, we'll be driving around town and I'll be like, Oh, I work there. I work there. And the list keeps going on. I feel like I work every single business in, in Washington state. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't go to law school decided, you know, I was just kind of floating around. Uh, a friend of mine was working at Accenture, which is a, uh, a, a consulting firm. Um, and he was, you know, going out, he was flying around, having looked like he was having fun based on his pictures. And, and so I said, shit, that, that sounds good. Um, I should do that. And so I got a, got an interview, got, you know, I got hired and, and I started working as a consultant. 
Um, but that again, it wasn't, you know, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know how to do that. Um, but I knew I needed the job. So I took this consulting gig at the time. I thought, you know, I can make this work. This is something that I can, I can really turn into a career. Uh, but I just couldn't like it. I couldn't get into it. Um, I mean, seven years later, I worked in that job for seven years before I finally, you know, made the full plunge, but it, uh, but yeah, that's kind of the, the, the track through college and then into my first job, job, quote unquote. Did anyone try to stop you with going with philosophy? Cause you hear with students, they kind of use psychology philosophy as a, I don't know what I want to do, but I just need to get this degree in a way just to have something. Did anyone try to stop you to make a better decision that could benefit you longer? They did. They tried to turn me into a, or turn my attention to a different degree. And I think that was the wrong way to go about it because, um, I just had no business, you know, being at college. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I needed to go get experience. If I, you know, with my, with my future kid, um, that's what I'm going to tell him to do is, you know, let's go work, let's go do some, some real shit. And, and we don't need to get another degree. It's not going to help you. Um, and so, yes, they did that. You know, they told me to get a degree in math, get a degree in computer science. Um, but I was like, no, I'm going to be a lawyer. And so, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the path I took. Well, usually it's, if someone is going to be a lawyer, they know that they have extended school after, but they try to go for that easy degree or something that just gets them in the door in a way. And I feel that you got to at least do something like you mentioned the backup plan, something that can back you up just in case you don't get into law school, because we all know those tests are not that easy. Yep. 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 Looking back now, would you have changed your path knowing the outcome that you went through? You mentioned that you would have said maybe don't get a degree, but would you have changed your degree? Would you still have gone the no degree route? How would that look if you went back in time? Right. Um, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I feel like my life is where it should be. And I, I really feel like that's the case for most people. Um, if I were to go back to myself back then, it's really hard to give yourself, you know, advice because the, that, that guy had to make those mistakes in order to be where I am right now. Yep. But you know, it just some other, you know, alternate world. I go back, I give him advice. I'd probably tell him, uh, what would I tell him to do? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I'm in real estate now. That's my, that's my career and I love it. Um, so I'd probably tell him to just get into real estate. The problem is I wouldn't know I'd tell them to get into real estate somehow, just start, uh, you know, become a real realtor, anything like that um, before going to college. You mentioned that when you shadowed other lawyers or you worked with them, you didn't ended up not liking it. What was the biggest thing you remember that you did not like that kind of turned it off for you? Um, their offices, definitely. <laughs> uh, it was just, there was no fun to be had in those, in those environments. And, you know, I was 20, what was I like 21 ish at the time. And it was just a very dreary drab environment. Um, and people just didn't look like they were enjoying life, um, at these offices. And so it's just, it just kind of took me, you know, when I thought of a lawyer, I thought of a trial lawyer in, in, in reality, I thought of somebody up there debating the subject and all, all that jazz but a lot of law is and this is nothing against lawyers if there's there's lawyers out there listening you know i don't know your job and i'm sure it's it's a lot better than my 21 year old mind hadn't (laughs) you know hadn't thought but uh 
you know, I went there and it was just, it, the environment did not, um, it just didn't seem like something I could get behind. It was a lot of the person I was following wasn't much older than me and she was doing a lot of case review. And that's literally, you're just staring at a book and just (laughs) it didn't look like a lot of fun to me. Do you feel the media or TV shows, movies kind of overhype what a lawyer is? And then when people think, Oh, I want to be like that, but then they get into it and it has nothing to do with exactly what it is. So actually, no, because it would be, you know, being a lawyer does sound fun if you're a trial lawyer. And and I'm sure there's aspects of once you really get good at being a lawyer and you really understand the law and you're able to apply it in different situations, I'm sure it, it you know, like any skill, once you get good at it, it's fun. Um, and so, you know, the media, that they, they got to make a story out of it. But yeah. you know, there is... I still think being a lawyer would could be fun. Um, it just at the time, it wasn't the right decision for me. And, it, and I... Uh, couldn't go down that path. Would you go back to it now? No, or definitely you're... not. I, definitely uh, not. No, I, I love where I am. And this is, I took, I made the right decision back then. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm not saying anything bad against being a lawyer. I do feel like it is a good profession to, to pursue. You talked about your first job out of college was that consulting job. Give a little background about what it was, what were you doing and what was a positive that you got out of that experience? Uh, yeah. So consulting is, it is a good career, um, in that you're, you get a lot of, a lot of breadth of experience. And so you get to go to all these different companies. Um, so I was doing business analysis and project management and I would go to, I don't know how many clients that I had, like tons of different clients, like Microsoft Brooks, um, all these different clients up here in the Seattle area. Mostly, uh, I would go and I would work on a project at their company and then I'd you know, six months, a year later, I'd go to a different project at a different company. And so in the course of the seven years I was, you know, working as a consultant, I got a lot of breadth of experience and I got to see a lot of different environments um, and different businesses and how they function. What was the challenging part about that job? Uh, The challenging part was the movement actually. And that's really what I didn't like about it is, um, you know, I mentioned earlier growing up, I really liked the community aspect of church, of, of school. Um, and I, when you're a consultant, you really, you do move projects often. And what that does is it, it just breaks up relationships every time you have to move. And so you can't really create a, a home base. Um, and I, I didn't like that aspect of the job. Um, and I just, I didn't really like corporate in general because there's not, you know, you know you're working at a multi-billion dollar company and that those type of companies are not nimble. They, they, they move very slowly and they turn very slowly. And so you can't make your own, you know, independent decisions very, very often. And, uh, I, I, I wanted that in, that's where I ended up is entrepreneurship. How long were you there for before you moved to your next path in your career? It took me seven years, seven years as a consultant to finally, uh, you know, take my, take the leap of faith into my next step. Was there ever a time before that final year that you're like, maybe I should just leave already? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I didn't want to be doing consulting probably year two or three. Um, I knew that, I, that it wasn't the, the path for me. But, you know, economics are the, the need for security is stronger than the need for, uh, for creative expression or whatever else it is. Um, and I didn't know how to make money. And so I, you know, I was making a decent amount of money as a consultant and 
uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, the golden handcuffs. I couldn't, couldn't leave without, um, without money coming in. Although I did up ending, I did end up leaving without much money coming in, but <laughs> I just got to the point where I, where I had to, I had to make the leap. Sometimes entrepreneurs are always doing, starting up their business during the time they are working. Did you ever think about starting it earlier than transitioning to that next step? Or did you start in while you were being a consultant? I did. I did multiple um, different things while I was a consultant. And that's the, that's the hard part um, because, you know, your mind can only focus on one thing well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you can't be a great employee and run a side business, there's so many people that, you know, run their business and have their side hustles. If they do it well, good on them, like props to you. I was not able to do it well. um, And I, so I was kind of had one foot in each, in each camp. Uh, but I did, I, I, uh, I flipped a house. I started the e-commerce business. I, um, house e-commerce. I did, uh, uh, digital marketing for, for a client. Um, so I had a whole bunch of stuff going on on the side and, you know, up to the point where I left. Did you feel you were being overworked? Like you were doing too much, didn't have enough hours in the day to be able to do everything because I'm assuming the consultant job, it's on the hours of your clients and then you're doing these other things after hours. Yeah, definitely. I was, uh, I was stretched too thin. Um, and that's another reason why if you're thinking about doing, uh, you know, if you, if you want to make a career move, I, I just highly recommend making the move all at once. Um, you know, if you need to have a runway, a financial runway, then work at your job and, you know, until you have that, that runway, that financial runway ahead of you, then just make a clean cut, jump into the next step. Um, so you have that, you don't, you don't have to do both at once because you're not, I wasn't able to do it very well. Did it take a toll on your personal life in a way? Um, yeah, just because you don't have a lot of time and my mind was always focused on, you know, something and, you know, relationships are always experienced in the moment. They're experienced here and now. And so it's, it's difficult to, to be here when you're, when you're constantly thinking about other things. Did you feel that you may had a support system or someone that could support you and help you kind of guide you to that next stage or during these times that were troubling where you're working as a consultant, plus you're doing your side hustles at the same time. Did you feel that you were being supported at all? Yeah. I mean, everybody, you're never going to get all of the support that you, that you, you feel you need because everybody is also living their own life. Um, and so I, I was supported in, in the realm that I was existing. And so in my job, I was supported in my job. Um, and you know, in entrepreneurship, that's the hard part, unless you're, unless you have other entrepreneurs in your, in your life, you really are not going to be supported. And that's just, so you need to have a mentor. Um, it took me a while to get one of those, I wish I'd done that earlier. Um, you need to have a mentor or just be working alongside other people who are trying to do the same sort of thing. Uh, cause then you, you can get that support system because unless somebody's also creating a business, they're not going to have, um, the same, they're not going to be able to relate really to what you're doing. How did you find the knowledge to know how to be flipping houses, e-commerce website during this time, even though your college times was completely in a different, um, industry? Uh, I mean, just like you do anything, I'm mostly Google. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, you can learn to make any business out there. It, the information's out there. You just just go out there, pick it up. And, and the important part is just to take action. Once you take action, you just figure out the first two steps you need to do. Take action on those two steps, and then you'll figure out the rest. It'll it'll just come. You can't figure out you know the entire thing from front to end at once. You you gotta just do the first two steps, take action, and the rest will come. When it came to those side hustles, when did you feel that you were succeeding at it? <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it didn't feel. It never felt like I was succeeding when it was a side hustle. Um, it I always felt like I was just kind of spinning my tires or spinning my wheels, whatever the phrase is. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't. I didn't really feel like I was having success until I was focused on it. Uh, completely. Why do you feel that? Uh, money, mostly. <laughs> when... I mean, you, if it's a side hustle, I, I don't like to boil everything down just to money. But if it is a business, then that is that's really the stick that you're you, you're going to be measuring yourself with is how much money are you making? Um, and that I mean, that's what it comes down to in business is are you making money? If not, then you're not running a very good business. I feel like that's such a challenge with a lot of entrepreneurs and businesses is they get to be so passionate about something. But then if you look at the financials and they're not making a profit, it's kind of like, how much longer can you do this Yeah, and stuff? And I think I've always been that where I like that financial security, but I also look at, does it make me happy? Do I get up in the morning and enjoy going to that work or doing those projects and things like that? If I'm not, I'm usually second guessing myself and I'm like, okay, I got to go in a different direction, but how do I get there? Because obviously the job fields, it's not an easy area because people are asking for ridiculous requirements and things like that. But I totally understand where you're coming from with the financial because it's key. I mean, if you're not making money, you're going to have to go back and find a job that maybe that's not what you want to do. So I think a lot of people listening can definitely relate and they can kind of be that on that same path right now listening. They want to find that next um, path that they want to go on. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I do feel uh, when people are are thinking about, you know, taking a leap and, and starting a business or whatever it is, they get caught up on the fact that they need to love it. And I don't, I don't subscribe to that uh, model. I feel like if you're, once you become good at a thing and you're working with people that you enjoy, that is the, the happiness like yes. thing there. It's, it's, you don't, it doesn't have to be, it's great if it is a preexisting passion, but it doesn't have to be that you can, once you become good at it and you see yourself having an impact on the people around you with your business, you're going to love it. It's just, that's just how it works. doesn't matter what the business is. Um, if you're, if you have an impact and you're good at it, you're going to love it. I and think you're working with cool people. That's yes. important. <laughs> I always say getting outside my comfort zone is usually the things I end up loving because it challenges me in a way. I just remember I traveled to a different state to help out with my career. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is all new. Everyone's double my age. And like, but after I did that for a week, I'm like, I want to go back there. I want to do this again. Like you just start wanting more and more and more. So exactly what you said that until you do it and then you're falling in love with it. I, yeah, 
it, it's now as you think about it, it's kind of like, oh, it makes sense now. But at that time, it does not. Yeah, yeah, you got to push yourself through that uh, that initial fear. That's the crucial part. If someone that's listening to this interview, when you said that you made that transition to entrepreneurship, what is the one thing that you want them to know that they have set out ready to go when they quit their job to going into that next step? Uh, What's the one thing I want them to know when they make the transition? Like what's one piece of advice would you give them? You kind of said, make sure the financials, but setting it up. What should they have already planned out? Um, I think the most important part is, so, I mean, unless you're, you know, curing cancer or something that hasn't been our, that hasn't been done already, somebody else has done what you're trying to do. And so there's a model out there. And so the important, the most important thing is just find that model and find the person who, who made that model or who is currently working in that model and just talk to them, learn from them. Um, because it'll cut down your mistakes a hundredfold. Uh, it'll make you, it'll get you to that, you know, in the black, you know, making the, the prop being a profitable business faster. Um, so don't try to, don't try to reinvent the wheel. It's, it's already been done. You know, you might think that your business is super special, which it is, you know, it's, it's your business, but it's, it's been done before, um, guaranteed. And so somebody's out there has already can show you how to do it. Uh, you know, cut down your learning curve. Now let's move on to talk about your real estate entrepreneurship journey. Is there a entrepreneur or an icon out there that kind of, you kind of look at and you're like, let me take a few things from them. Kind of what we talked about, was there a mentor for you? Is there a mentor in this field that you kind of get inspired by? I mean, there's a lot of guys that I have been following You know, I'm not, I haven't met them in like real life as a real you know, mentor, mentor, but I, I followed them and I really like their philosophy and it's kind of had an impact on, on the way I, I go forward. Um, I got, I mean, the first person I got to call out, he, I don't even know if he's still doing his stuff, but his name's Matt Tyrell. He, uh, he's a flipper down in California. Um, and that is the first course I bought. Um, and you know, there are some gurus out there who sell shitty courses, but if you find a good one, it really does help. You know, if you're, if you're in a specific type of business and you find a course from somebody who's in that business that can help a lot. And so I bought Matt Tyrell's course, um, and he did a good job putting that together. And so I, I, I learned a lot from that. So that was kind of the first mentor in real estate. Um, and then after that, it's just been people I've met along the way. And, you know, the big figures like Grant Cardone, um, he's, he's, you know, crushing it out there and I, I follow him a lot. Um, I've always liked Richard Branson. I feel like he's, he's just lived <laughs> an awesome life. Uh, and then this guy named, uh, Brian Johnson, who it's optimize.me. I think now he, it's, it's like a philosophy app. Um, I've followed him a bunch and I kind of liked his, uh, his trajectory. So, you know, there's a bunch of icons or, or figures out there that I followed and, uh, enjoyed their learning from them. The only real estate people I know are the ones that are on TV. So I'm, yeah. I'm like Chip and Jane or Chip and Joe. Yeah, that show never heard of them, and I had friends show me it, and I'm like, okay, this is entertaining in a weird way because <laughs> it's just them remodeling a house and stuff. But I'm like, okay, and I was in that time where I'm like, okay, I'm looking for a house. What do I like? What do I not like? And it's just, it's you get so inspired by these people and. I loved when they talk about their self, like their personal lives. They talk about their journey to get there because we see 
the big sales, the big marquees and things, but they've had a hard time to get there. Like Grant has probably had a journey to get to where he is because I have a lot of people that they talk about that name and I've only heard about him just from talking to people. And then I'm learning and researching. I'm like, okay, he, he's been on that path. So I love those. Mm -hmm. What has been your favorite task project, things like that in your real estate journey? My favorite there could be multiples. I mean, I know yeah. I say one, but what has um, been your favorite? Yeah, no, I've, I mean, shoot, there's a ton of them. Um, let's think. So I, I recently switched focus. So I, I do mobile home parks now and uh, self-storage facilities. Um, so I bought a self-storage facility just recently, actually down in uh, Lubbock, Texas. And the trans, I, what I really like about real estate is that it is physical and there is something like tangible that you're mm-hmm. offering to society and, and, you know, you can see it. It's like a thing that you're, that you're putting out there and saying, Hey, this is available for rent or whatever. Um, and so I like buying really crappy properties and fixing them up and uh, then renting them out. And, and so I bought this self storage down in uh, Lubbock and it just, it was the ugliest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, and, but I, I saw the potential it was in a good area. Um, and so I fixed it up. I, you know, got security systems in there, gated it, uh, painted it up, fixed all the issues. Um, and now it looks like, you know, stellar. And so just seeing that transmit transition or the transition, and it was in a really tight time frame. This was over the course of maybe one or two months. Wow. Um, and you know, seeing that quick transition was, uh, it's always, you know, it's nice to see that, see the end result. Is it a challenge being so far away from that property or do you have good communication with everything that's going on that you're able to trust them to know what they need to get done while you are somewhere else? It is a challenge. Yeah. Um, so there's tons of ways to do, to do real estate investing or, or real estate. Uh, and I do the out-of-state model. I live in Seattle and you know properties here are the cap rates are really low. Um, and so I'm looking in markets where the cap rates aren't as compressed. And so I, you know, have to look outside of, out of my area. Um, Texas, I love Texas. It is hard because you do have to create uh, what's called boots on the ground. You have to create a team down there in order to work with them. Um, but it's totally doable. You don't have to live in the state that you buy investment properties in. Um, you can live wherever I could live in uh, Antarctica. If I, if I had good, uh, Wi-Fi signal, <laughs> <laughs> you're crazy to think that you want to live <laughs> there. That sounds like a horrible life. Oh, I had a friend that wants to go on like a iceberg boat trip or icebreaker. And I'm like, nope, too cold for me. Yeah, I'll pass on that one. What is there a location that is a dream for you to have properties in and kind of do that remodel for? Is there somewhere in the distance or on the plan for you? Yeah. Um, so me and my girlfriend really like Charleston. I don't know if you've been there, but South Carolina. Yeah. South Carolina. Okay. I love Charleston. The food is awesome. I love how old the buildings are. It's just, it is, it's really nice. Um, so I'm actually currently in conversation to buy a a self-storage out in Columbia, which is about two hours away from Charles Charleston. So I'm getting close to it. Um, but it would be sweet to own something, you know, in, in Charleston itself. Are self-service um, storage facilities easy for you? Because it sounds like that's like the kind of theme going, or do you mix up the portfolio? Yeah, I mean, I, I mix it up, but I, I like self-storage a lot. It's a, it's a great business. Um, 
and it is it, in the grand scheme of things, it's much easier to run because there's nobody living at your property. Um, and That's you're true. literally just renting it out. I mean, you've, I'm sure you've had a storage facility before. Like how often do you go there? Maybe once every few months. And or so, if I remember that I have it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a relatively easy uh, asset to manage. And I, I enjoy that. What has been the biggest challenge in your journey right now with real estate? I mean, the biggest challenge was getting over the hump. Um, real estate is expensive. And so you, you need to figure out a way to get over that hump in order to get in the game and you know, own property. But once you do that, it's, it becomes a lot easier. Um, so right now, I mean, right now I'm kind of in the process of finalizing my operational processes um, and then just expanding. So we're just trying to buy more properties and, and keep, keep adding to the portfolio. And uh, so I, I guess the hardest part right now is getting everybody in sync. And I feel like that might be the hardest part just throughout the career, but um, you know, getting the team in sync, making sure everybody's on the same page, uh, that kind of stuff. Taking that model, even in the corporate world, they're still struggling with making sure everyone's in sync. So you definitely, we all can relate on making sure a whole team is in sync because even, I mean, I just said in sync, so I'm just going to go in that direction. Even bands and stuff, if they're <laughs> not in sync, then it's just not going to work out. So the things I come up with. That was good. That was, that was a good transition. As we mentioned earlier, you are a podcast host. Talk about how did you come up with the show and what is the big mission and message that you're giving to the listeners? Uh, Yeah, I mean, the the show is called The Real Estate Investing Club because all we focus on is real estate investing. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's the the point of the show. Um, And I... I specifically made it asset agnostic. So we don't focus specifically on single family, multifamily, commercial, whatever. We focus on everything. We'll have uh, any type of guest on. Um, The trajectory is, is I always like to start with stories uh, because I also like to hear, you know, how people went from point A to point B and it's never linear. And that's what I love about it is people always have the ups and downs. doesn't matter who you're talking to. They're going to have ups and downs. Um, So if you're in a down period right now, just know that you're going to have an up period. And so you just got to keep going. Um, and that's what every, every guest who I've had on the show, that is their, their message is that, you know, they've gone through ups and downs and, and they, they've come out the other side. Has there been any guests that you've kind of listened to and you can relate to their story or you can find something that you might've gone through something similar with? I mean, there's been a bunch of guests who've been on, um, and they just talk about being broke and trying to do real estate. And I'm like, dude, I was there. I feel you. And so I, you know, not having money um, sucks. And so, especially when you're trying to do something that's very capital intensive. Um, and so I remember being in that, in that moment. And I always relate to those people. Is there a dream guest that you're hoping? I maybe can figure out one guest that you might want on there, or maybe a couple that we've talked about, but is there a dream guest that you would like to have on your show to learn more about their story that, so everyone can hear the story? Um, Yeah. I mean, I know Grant Cardone's story, but it would be, it would be pretty sweet to have him on. So Grant, if you're out there listening, come on, join the real estate investing club. We'd love to have you on. Um, (laughs) So Grant, obviously, and then, uh, so Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, it kind of gets a lot of people started down the path of into real estate. Um, 
you know, it'd be great to have him on. Uh, and then, you know, some pretty much anybody in the, in the self-storage space. I, I haven't had a lot of self-storage guys on the, on the podcast and it'd be fun to have them on. That would be a good one. Cause it definitely relates to what you like also. So it's definitely do. Do you think that there's another side hustle out there that's kind of waiting for you to kind of find, or you oh, are yeah. good with where you're at right now? It's not a side hustle, but I've, I've been saying this for, I don't know how many years to my girlfriend, to my family. I want to start a car wash, uh, you know, one of those auto car washes. I don't know why I just love, <laughs> love those things. And it would be fun to, to own one. So that or a recycling plant. Those are two, like, for some reason, those businesses just seem badass to me. Owning a, a car car wash or a recycling plant. In my town, it seems like a car wash place pops up. We're going to knock down this building. What are they putting up? A car wash. And there's maybe yeah. five car washes in like a street. What yeah, excites fun. you about a car wash? Like, it's I'm so fascinated by about this now. Like, what brings you to want? Is it the money that you can make off of it or... Well, yeah, I mean, so they are uh, from the very practical side, um, they are, they, you know, they, they have good profit margins. So I've heard and they don't they're not uh, employee intensive. So you can run them with very few employees, which is great. Um, on the other side, on the non-practical side, I've just always liked car washes. I love going through them. <laughs> I, I there's something about a car wash that I just really enjoy. And so I just feel like it'd be fun to to own one. Add that to the list of guests, someone that owns a bunch of car washes. There, you go. there we there go. You go. <laughs> Looking at your journey so far, we kind of talked about it, that your path has gotten you to where you are. Are you still thinking that, or is there something that you might've changed to get to where a different place in your life? Is there something that I might've changed? We always look um, back at, we kind of talked about this earlier, like, oh, would you go back to college and change how you went? Or do you feel that each step that you take, you've learned so much about yourself that you're happy that the path you take took got you to where you are today? Yeah. I, I mean, I, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I, I think the only thing that I would change is to slow down um, because, you know, especially when I was in corporate and I was just desperate to get out of that life. I, I was, I was going a mile a minute and I, um, you know, when you're going that fast and you're, you're pushing so hard, you don't make good decisions. You're, you're not there. You're not present in your relationships. Um, so it would have been great if I just slowed down a bit and just chilled out, mm -hmm. but again, hindsight's 2020. So who knows? Looking towards the future, what are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years, personally and professionally? Okay, so I mean, professionally, I I just keep going down the path I'm on. Um, so this year, we want to do 100,000 square feet of self storage, um, and maybe in you know in the next few years, I would like to. I've always wanted to do a strip center retail, and so I'd like to do one of those. Um, uh, personally. I mean, there's, I'm, I'm a big into fitness. I don't really have a goal per se, but I just keep, I just really, uh, well, actually, no, that's not, that's not true. I do have a goal. Um, recently I've been talking with my friends. We hiked Mount Rainier up here in, uh, Washington a few, I don't know, maybe probably like 10 years back actually, but we've been talking about wanting to uh, hike another mountain. Um, so we're thinking about Adams or hood. And so, uh, that's the goal is hike one of those bad boys. Are those mountains in, uh, Washington? Yeah. 
Yeah. And they're not, I mean, they're not super difficult, but we're getting older. So I feel like it's still <laughs> going to be a challenge. It's not like you're just trying to go up Mount Everest or something, or the right. Swiss Alps or something, things yeah. like that. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Oh man, best tip I would give is just pick a goal and stick to it. Um, and just don't give up because obstacles are going to come up. You're going to feel like you're not making it. You're going to feel like you're a failure. You feel like everything is crumbling around you, but if you just keep going, it's going to work out. Um, so choose your goal and put the effort in and don't give up. Well, Gabe, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Right on, Alex. Well, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe to all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel for the full-length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.